Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton. Our episode today is from our series, Living God's Way. As we transition into our new normal, we need to recognize that our world has changed. Although our lives may look differently, this can be a tremendous opportunity for us individually and as a church to truly live out what God desires for our lives. We hope you enjoy. Throughout this summer, we are going to walk through the book of 1 Peter together, and we're in a series called Living God's Way, and I would highly encourage you to read the book of 1 Peter. It's a very short book, and you can read it every day, you can read it weekly, just read it over the summer so we can truly understand how to live God's way. I highly recommend the version. It's a free app available on any smartphone or any device. We also, if you're watching live right now, there's a button that says Bible. That'll link you directly to version, and you can click on 1 Peter. You can read along with us. The other thing that I love about version is it'll actually read it for you so you can listen to it as you're driving in your car, as you're exercising, whatever. It's a great way to get into God's Word. And last week, we looked at the first part of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. This week we're going to focus on the second part of chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. And before we do that, I want to just kind of recap for you the three questions we asked last week. And we said, anytime you read God's Word, you really need to ask these three questions. And the first question is, who is writing it? Who is writing it. Now, I bet you can guess who wrote the book of 1 Peter. That's right, it's Peter. This is the guy who was a follower of Jesus. He's one of the 12 disciples who was with Jesus here on his ministry on earth. This is the guy who walked on water. This is the guy who we talked about famously said the because you say so back in Luke 5 5. Go back and watch that one. This is the Peter who is the first to say, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is the same Peter who, as he was walking on the water, began to doubt and began to fall. This is the same Peter who got a little full of himself at one point, and Jesus had to say to him, Get behind me, Satan. This is the same Peter who said the night Jesus was betrayed, Jesus, I will go to death for you. I will stand by you. I will never fall. And Jesus said before the rooster crows three times, You will deny that you even know me. That's this Peter. Great highs and great lows. And yet, This is the same Peter who Jesus would restore after his resurrection, after the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, which we just celebrated a couple Sundays ago. This is the same Peter who stood up in a crowd in Jerusalem and said, Jesus is Lord. And over 3,000 people started a relationship with Jesus Christ at that point, and he was the key leader of the early church. This is the person who's writing this book. Do you think this is some important stuff we should learn, church? Absolutely it is. So now we know Who is writing this? Here's the second thing that we need to ask the question as we're reading God's Word. Who is it written to? This was a letter that was written to the early church. At that point, the early church had been scattered throughout the known world. A great persecution has broke out against the church at this time. People who are followers of Jesus Christ are literally being hunted down, arrested, and sometimes tortured and killed just because of their belief in Jesus Christ. This is roughly 30 to 40 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
They're living in the Roman Empire, which again, it's illegal to follow Jesus because they claim that Jesus is a, is a false god. So not only are they getting it from the Roman, the established authority, they're also getting it from the established church at that time, which was the Jews who said, you know, Jesus was a false messiah. And so they're getting persecuted over and over again. Peter himself would eventually be arrested, and tradition tells us he would be crucified for his belief that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is who Peter is writing it to. These are people who are not in a good place right now. And we need to understand who this is being written to. But the third question is, after we understand who's writing it, after we understand who is it written to, the question we need to ask ourselves is, how can I apply it? Does this matter to me in my life? And so that's what we're going to do together here on Sundays. We're going to unpack this together. And I would highly recommend you become part of a life group. Go to our website, see a list of the days and times. We're going to be walking through this together as a life group as well so we can grow and learn in community together. And last week, if you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and watch the video. And we talked about this right here. And if you don't know what I'm doing, go back and watch this. We talked about in life, the pendulum swings. And we can see how we can handle those situations and what we're supposed to focus on in life when the pendulum swings. Well, today, we're going to talk about something that I think is very interesting that Peter tells us to do here in the Gospels. And, and to set it up for you, I want to say we all have a natural human desire to blend in. Every single one of us, from the time we're little kids all the way through school, we kind of want to be part of the crowd. We want to just kind of kind of be part of the group of, of things that are going on. And one of the worst things, one of the most dangerous things we can do as a person is to be different, to, to stand out from the crowd, to, to be a little, a little weird, to be a little off, to, to kind of show a little separate from the crowd. That's a very dangerous thing to do. And what Peter's going to tell us to do today is as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to dare to be different, which is a very dangerous thing to do as well. I've heard the statement that in life, if you want to be successful in life, if you want to be successful financially, if you want to be successful in business, if you want to be successful in life, find out what everyone is doing and then do the complete opposite of that. That's how you get to be successful. I know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but let me let me play this out for you for a second, okay? The average American right now has $38,000 in debt. That's not like mortgage, I'm not talking that. I'm saying like personal debt. Average American, 38,000. That's normal right now. That's being part of the crowd. Which is why I love Dave Ramsey and Financial Peace University. And Dave Ramsey says this, broke is normal. <laughs> it's normal to be broke right now. So be weird and actually have financial peace, all right? Nearly half of the marriages in this country will end in divorce. That's the crowd. That's the normal. It, hey, if, if it's not working for you, just, just walk away from your marriage, right? That's what half the people do in our country. That's what normal is. Here's the other thing. The average Christian, the average follower of Jesus Christ will attend a Sunday gathering one time a month. That's, that's 12 times a year. That's, that's average. That's, that's what everyone's doing. And church, we need to dare to be different. And all those things we say, those aren't right. We need to stand out from the crowd and see that. We need to dare to be different. So today, I'm going to give you four choices that Peter gives us that we can dare to be different. Four choices to be different. Here's the first one. If we want to dare to be different, 
We need to prepare my mind for action. Look at what verse 13 says. So prepare your minds for action. This is exactly what you said. Prepare your mind for action. Have you ever seen somebody do something and think in your head, what exactly were they thinking, right? Now, I realize it's Father's Day today, so I'm just going to go ahead and call out the guys because I am one. Um, this is typically a guy thing, right? We'll, we'll see a dude do something, and, and it doesn't seem like the smartest thing to do, and, and it maybe seem a little dangerous. You know where I'm going with this? You watch the internet, right? Okay. And, and we'll see people do some very dumb things, and we'll make that statement. What were they thinking? You know the answer to that question is? They weren't thinking, all right? Because if you were thinking, you wouldn't do that. And it can be funny, but here's the reality. Some of our greatest regrets in life come from not preparing our minds for actions, for not thinking. And we do things without thinking, and we later come to regret it. And sometimes the consequences of those actions can follow us for the rest of our lives. Look at what Paul says in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Can I say it? Dare be different. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many times people have come to me over the years and say, I want to know God's will for my life. What is God's will for my life? I want to know what God's will is for my life. It's right there in that verse. And it starts with preparing, or as Paul says, renewing our mind. And don't think as everyone else does. Dare to be different by preparing our mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. See, how you think will determine what you do. You've heard me say that many times. How we think. So we need to prepare our minds if we want to think differently. So my question to you is did you prepare your mind for action this morning? Most times when we get out of bed, we don't think about preparing our mind for action. We just kind of roll into the next thing to do and the next thing we do. But I want to challenge you. I think preparing our mind for action should be the first thing we do when we get out of bed. And a lot of times that's prayer, spending time with God's Word. Because if we don't prepare our minds for actions, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So before we go any further with this message, I want to just pause for a moment. And I want to prepare our minds for action, myself included. And I want to pray. So I'd like you to pray with me. God, I ask that right now, everything that's happened up to this point in our day, that we would just set it to the side. God, I pray for peace. I pray for clarity. And I pray for focus right now. I pray that you would prepare my mind and everyone who's listening or watching to this for what you have to say. God, we want to hear from you. So God, I pray that you would prepare our minds and our hearts to receive what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's the second thing we need to do. If we want to dare to be different, we need to keep sober in spirit. Keep sober in spirit. So verse 13 again starts off as we said. So prepare your minds for actions. And then the second part says, and, this is important, and exercise self-control. That word self-control, if in, in the original language, it actually is the exact same word we use for the word sober. And some translations would actually just say, stay sober. Now, we might think about that in the terms of alcohol. Usually when we talk about sobriety, we talk about alcohol, right? And when you drink something, what happens is you do or say things 
you normally wouldn't do. That's kind of the, what alcohol does. And why is that? Because alcohol has removed our self-control. We, we have self-control. We've been given that. But when we drink alcohol, it, it releases those self-control things. So in order to be sober, right, basically means that I need to be in control, not the alcohol. And every alcoholic I've talked to has said, when I drink, it's not me. It's like the alcohol is controlling me. That's because they've given up that sobriety. And that's the definition of sobriety is to say, I'm not going to let the alcohol be in control anymore. I'm going to be in control. And that's what God calls us to do. Now, I would say most of us really understand what we should do. If you can look at any situation, we've had this happen before, where you've been talking with somebody and they've been sharing a struggle they're having in your life. And in your mind, it's very easy. You go, oh, well, all you need to do is start doing this or stop doing this, right? It's always easier when it's somebody else. We can see it very clearly in their life. So my question is, although we can easily recognize it, <laughs> why don't we do it? And like I said, we can see it in other people, but we can't really see it in ourselves. Why do we struggle with self-control so much in our lives? And I would contend it's because we know what's right, but it's just not easy. We, we, if we're being really honest, we would rather do what is easy than what is right. I'll give you a safe example of this. Physical activity. Every single doctor you will talk to and every single person understands I need to stay physically active. I need to get at least 20 to 30 minutes of physical activity every single day. We know that. We know it's right. We've seen the result of it, but it's not easy. And it's not really funny. Can we just be honest with you? I know there's people who love exercise. You're weird. All right. Talk about different. <laughs> we love you. It's great. But I don't like to exercise, but I need to do it. And, and like I said, we'd rather do what's easy than what's right. See, that's self-control. Self-control recognizes this isn't easy, but it's a thing I need to do. And I need to make the decision to do it. I need to stay in control. And we can find lots of excuses. The number one excuse that I hear or I make in my own life is to say, I, I just don't have the time. See, I would love, I have self-control. I want to do this. I just don't have the time. Can I help you with that? We will make the time to do what's important in your life. If you think something's very important, if you say physical activity is very important, if a doctor would say, if you don't start being physically active, you will die, guarantee you, you will make that a priority and it will be important in your life. And it's the same thing for everything. If you want to grow, I want to grow closer in my relationship with God. I want to understand God's will for my life. You need to have self-control and you need to find the time to do it because it's there. If, if you don't like the relationships that you have, if you want to get more connected with godly people, you need to make the time to invest in those relationships and you will find it. See, self-control means doing what is right and not making excuses. You will never get to where you want to get in life without self-control, without keeping a sober spirit. But the opposite of that is true. You will go lots of places that you would rather not go in life without self-control. We need to keep a sober spirit and stay in control. So my question to you today is, what excuses do you need to stop making? What choice do you need to make today? That's to say, I want to be in control and I'm going to make that choice to keep a sober spirit. 
So once we keep a sober spirit, here's the third thing that Peter tells us to do. We need to fix our hope. We need to fix our hope. Look at what verse 13, the second part of that says, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Where you look will determine where you go. Where you are looking will determine where you are going. Just the other day, I was walking into Hy-Vee and I was going to the grocery store and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, what is that over there? Okay, now, I, I wanna tell you two things. First of all, there's nothing over there, all right? The second thing is, we're on video, so I don't know what you're looking at right now, okay? <laughs> now, now, why did I do that, all right? Where you look, will determine where you will go. Where are you looking at in your life? Where is your focus? Where are you focusing on? There's a great movie, a Disney Pixar movie that I love. It's called the movie Up, right? And if you're not familiar with that movie, it's a wonderful movie. It's about a great relationship that develops. But there's a side part of that movie that is probably the most popular part of that movie. And I just want to explain to you what it is if you're not familiar with the movie. Uh, there's a scientist who develops a collar for dogs. And, and when you put this collar on the dog, you remember this from the movie? The dog will actually speak in English what they're thinking. It's kind of getting inside the mind of a dog, right? And, and the dog, the funny part of the movie, the dog will be talking, right, in complete sentences and, and saying the thought and, and kind of helping the plot of the movie go. And then all of a sudden, right in mid-sentence, what happens? They'll see a squirrel go by, right? And the dog will be talking, and all of a sudden it'll go, squirrel! And it'll be completely distracted by what happened because of squirrel. And it kind of became a catchphrase. So if you walk by somebody and they get distracted, and all of a sudden you say the word squirrel, right? That's from the movie. All right? Why do I tell you all that? Because that in the movie caused some disruptions. That distraction of a squirrel caused some major disruption in the movie. The same thing happens in our life. See, little tiny distractions like what I just did earlier there can lead to big disruptions. We can have a lot of distractions in our life. I would say that we, there's probably never in the history of mankind been more distractions than there is today. I love the internet. I love YouTube. We use it for church. I love social media. I love all that stuff. I love movies. I think all of those things can be great things. But, but can we just be honest? <laughs> a lot of times, probably more often than we like to admit, they're distractions. How, how I can see this in my own life is when I know I'm supposed to be doing something, right? And instead I find myself doing this. Anybody else with me? You're just scrolling and you're like, oh, I should, oh yeah, well, I got five minutes. I'll, I'll, I'll check this and I'll see that. That can be a distraction. And I believe more and more that the enemy wants us to be distracted. He, he wants to show those squirrels, right? When, when you see that in your life, what I want you to do now is I want you to say, squirrel, all right, God has me focused. I, I, I'm called to his purpose. This is what he wants me to do. And when I see that squirrel, I might just identify it. You might just say that out loud. Squirrel. All right, now, now I'm going to get back to focusing on God. Oh, I, I need to, to, to read First Peter, but oh, I want to check my Facebook first. Squirrel. Right? Uh, or, or I'm going to tune into church online. Oh, here's this cool YouTube video. Squirrel. All right, just, just own it. Understand where you look will determine where you'll go. And church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to always be looking up, not around. We need to fix our hope 
on Jesus Christ. Because where you look will determine where you go. So my question to you today, where are you looking? What are the squirrels in your life that you need to eliminate? And you need to fix your hope on Jesus. So once we fix our hope on Jesus, here's the fourth thing that Peter tells us to do. We need to live in obedience. We need to live in obedience. Verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Last week, we talked about the difference between do and done. We said that there's a danger with following Jesus Christ of turning it into a religion of do. I need to do, I need to do, I need to do. And we said that's not what grace that God's given us. It's not a do. It's a done. And I made the statement, I said, there's nothing you can do to earn God's grace. It's already been freely given. It's what God has done. So then we look at this verse 14 and we say, we must live as obedient children. So why do we have to obey? If it's already been done, why do we do it? And this is what I would contend. It's out of love. That's what Peter's saying here. It's out of love. With today being Father's Day, and me being a father as well, I want to I want to talk to the dads who are listening for just a minute, okay? How many of you dads make rules for your kids just to mess with them? Okay, I'm the only one. <laughs> you might not want to admit it out loud, but there's maybe sometimes. Like, we don't do that for the most part, right? Well, typically when a father makes a rule, what we need to understand is we're trying to teach our kids something. And to make a rule means I have to reinforce it, right? Because if you break the rule, then I have to be invested in enforcing it, which isn't always the most fun thing to do. You following me, dads? Any other dads can relate to that? So, so why am I telling you this? We make rules out of love. Not, we, we need to obey not out of fear, but out of love. We want what's best for our kids. We understand things about the world that maybe our children don't quite understand. So we need to put these rules in place to help them to be all that they can be. And God does the same thing. Remember these things that God has told us to do? God says, remember, as a loving father, think about that, as a loving father, this is what God says. God says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And we say, yeah, but I'm so busy and I don't know, I don't wanna go. No, no, no. Live as obedient children. God says, don't covet anything your neighbor has. Yeah, but I don't really like my house. I wish I had a better car. I wish I had better clothes. Stop, stop, stop. You need to live as obedient children. God says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. But we chase success. We chase approval. We chase money. All of those things become gods to us in our lives. And we don't obey what God has for us because he loves us. God says, do not commit adultery. And Jesus comes along and takes it even further. And he says, if you look at another person and you have sexual thoughts about them in your mind and in your heart, it's the same thing in God's eyes as committing adultery. Because that's not okay. It damages them. It objectifies them. It's not good for your body. It's not good for your mind. It's not good for your soul. I love you. Stay within these bounds. But we say, ah, but I'm so lonely. And, and I just, I feel this need. And, and we're so much in love. We need to live as obedient children out of love for that. 
God says, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. And we'll say things like, well, it's mostly true. I mean, I, I might have left out this one detail, but it was a little white lie. Is that really a big deal? Yes, it is. God doesn't give us rules just to mess with us. God gives us rules because he loves us. He wants us to have the most in life in our relationships. And so as a loving father, he gives us these limits. Not because we're trying to earn something. Remember, we talked about that. That's already done. But when we do those things and we live as obedient children, we need to understand who our God is. See, following Jesus is not about how much you know. It's about how much you obey. Look at verse 15. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. I want to talk about that word holy for a while because, see, when we talk about holy, we kind of see it as a negative word, if we're being honest. We'll say things like, well, you're holier than thou, right? Or, or I have to be some kind of perfect thing and, and I can never be wrong. And that's what we, we think of when we think of the word holy, most people. That's not the word holy that Peter's using here. The word holy actually means set apart. Or if I could put it another way to keep with the theme, Peter's calling us to dare to be different. Peter's saying, your life has a purpose. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are set apart to do God's work. See, holiness isn't something we live for. Holiness is not something we live for. It's something we live out. That's what God called us to do. And why? Why do we need to live out a holy life? Why do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, dare to be different? Peter tells us, in verse 18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Friends, we need to dare to be different. Not for my glory, but for his. Church, on my best day, on my very best day where I'm as much as I possibly can be, the only thing I deserve is God's wrath and punishment. Because what Peter said before, God is holy. God is perfect. But God, church, this is the good news that you need to hold on and grab on to throughout this series. But God in his great love, he paid the price, which is more valuable than any gold or silver can massively imagine. It was the precious blood of Jesus because he wanted to have a relationship with me. That's what my motivation is. It's not because I'm trying to earn something or I'm trying to get people to look at me or think it. I want to stand out so people go, wow, look at Jeff, isn't he great? No, no, no. It's because of what God has done for us. So what is my response to all that? After I do those things, after I live holy, and for the reason because of God's love, what is the response that I need to give? Look at verse 22, what Peter says. So now, you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. That's a command. We must show sincere love. Our greatest witness is not telling people about Jesus. And sometimes I get into the trap of saying that where I say, well, we need to tell people about Jesus. You need to share about Jesus. Can I just be honest with you? I talk to a lot of people about Jesus, 
And I hear a lot of conversations about the church from people who aren't part of churches. I spend a lot of time with people who don't go to church because I want to understand how they're thinking. And can I tell you what I've found? And I'm just being honest. People are honestly sick of hearing about Jesus. Now, if that offends you, you haven't been talking to people that don't know Jesus very much. People are honestly sick to death of hearing about Jesus. Our, our culture knows a lot about Jesus. They hear a lot about Jesus. They see a lot about Jesus. And I would say they're sick of hearing about Jesus. You know what they're looking for? <laughs> they're looking for people who want to love like Jesus. Our greatest witness is not telling people about Jesus. Our greatest witness is to love people like Jesus did, just like Peter said in verse 22. And, and who are the types of people that Jesus loved? Let's, let's look back for just a second. Jesus loved tax collectors. Right? If you don't know what that means in that culture, this is somebody who has betrayed their own people, steals from them, and is part of an establishment that they hate. These are people that Jesus loved. In fact, he even picked one to be one of his closest followers. That's the type of people Jesus loved. Jesus loved prostitutes. At that time, they were called women who were, who were prostitutes. We would call them today people who were being sex trafficked. People who were being sexually abused. Jesus loved them. In fact, one of them was one of the closest followers of Jesus as well. And was there the morning that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the kind of people that Jesus loved. Jesus loved people whose society neglected and pushed away. Jesus loved people who were physically ill. They would come to Jesus all the time. He couldn't get away from people who were physically ill. Jesus loved people who were mentally ill. People, Mark tells us the story of a guy who was literally chained to rocks because he was so mentally ill. And Jesus loved him and Jesus went to him and Jesus saved him. Jesus loved people who were disabled. They, again, couldn't get away from Jesus. They would always come to Jesus and say, heal me. Jesus loved them. Jesus loved women. Like, we take that for granted in our culture now on all the gains that women have made. Back in the first century, this was radical. For Jesus to basically put women on the same level as men was unheard of. And even greater than that, Jesus loved children. Remember that famous passage, let the little children come to me? That was radical. They didn't even think of kids as people until they were adults. But Jesus loved children. Jesus loved Samaritans or people from different cultures, people from different races, people who disagreed politically. Those are the type of people Jesus loved. And if Jesus were here today, or better to said, since I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm living today and I need to love people like Jesus, Jesus would love Democrats. Oh, what? And before you get mad at me, hold on just a second. Hold on to that. Jesus loves Republicans. I know it's radical, isn't it? Dare to be different, okay? I'm going to say something, and this is, man, you might tune me out after this, so I hope you don't. Jesus loved Donald Trump. Oh, no, what? And again, before you get too mad at me, Jesus loves Joe Biden. What? Are you kidding me? Nancy Pelosi. Jesus loves people who choose right now to wear a mask. Jesus loves people who choose to be socially distant. Jesus loves people who choose not to be socially distant. We've talked about this at exhaustion in our church right now. There's three groups of people. There's people that are saying, I'm not comfortable yet. I want to stay home. I want to stay away from this. 
There's people who are like, let's go, let's meet together. That's why they're meeting in homes. And there's people who are cautious about that. Can I tell you something? Jesus loves all of them. And just to finish the point, we need to dare to be different. We will be known by our love for one another. Peter says this here. It's a command. But Jesus also said that. And so, church, I want to ask you a very personal question. And it's a question I'm asking myself. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that list I just read? <laughs> are, are you loving them like that? I, I made this statement earlier where I said success is you find out what everyone else is doing, and then you do the exact opposite. So let's talk about how society is loving right now, how the people around us love right now. Here's, here's what it looks like from my observations. If I disagree with somebody, it's my right and my duty to tell them how wrong they are. That's, that's what normal is right now. If I don't like what somebody does, I get to publicly shame them on Facebook or Twitter or whatever we can do. That's, that's what I see right now. That's what, that's what normal is. And if they don't change, if they don't understand how wrong they are and how right I am, I need to unfriend them. I need to unfollow them. And I'll slander their name all over to everybody in my little echo chamber. That's what everyone's doing right now. Church, if we want to dare to be different and we want people to love Jesus, we need to love them like Jesus did. And again, I'm going to go back to what Peter says in verse 22. So now, you must, that's a command, show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Church, how are you doing with that? What does that look like in your own life? As Peter says, we need to prepare our minds for action. What that means in my life, if I hear something that I disagree with, and my first response is want to respond, <laughs> I will pause. That, that doesn't come naturally to me. All right, I have to think about that. I have to prepare my mind and I have to remember to pause. I have to keep a sober spirit. I need to show self-control. If you haven't picked this up about me, I'm a very passionate person, all right? And I can just wear my emotions on my sleeve. And part of what I need to learn is self-control is, is even when I get upset or worked up, I need to stay in control with my words and with my actions. We need to do that. We need to fix our hope. Don't be distracted by a squirrel that comes by. And, and can I help you with this? Don't be distracted by an issue and miss the relationship. Right now I'm seeing so many relationships that are being lost over things that honestly, in, from an eternal perspective, won't matter. Where you're looking will determine where you go. And if you can look past the disagreement and you can see the bigger picture, or, or better yet, you can look at Jesus and understand where we're going, we need to fix our hope. And we need to live in obedience. We need to know God's word. That's why I'm encouraging you every day, even if it's just for five minutes, every day, be in God's word. Understand it. Know it. Go through 1 Peter. See how many times you can read through 1 Peter in the next two months, right? Understand it. Know it. And then live it out. Not an obligation. Again, God doesn't give us rules for his own amusement. He does it out of love. And we serve him not because we're trying to earn anything. We can't do that. We serve him and we obey out of love. Because we are holy. We, we are set apart. And we need to dare to be different from everyone else. And we love other people 
not to draw attention to ourselves, but because of what God has done for us. And we love in those ways. Let's pray. Church, God, I thank you so much for loving us. God, I thank you that by your grace, you have paid the ultimate price for a relationship with us. God, you overlooked our offenses and our sins, and you said it's worth it. And now you offer this free gift of salvation. And to all who receive it, you give the right to be called sons and daughters of you. God, help us to live that out in our lives. And we know that just by doing that, it's going to put us kind of outside the crowd. We're, we're going to be different. And, and our natural tendency is want to not be different and want to be together and be kind of following the group. God, help us to have the courage to dare to be different. God, help us every day to prepare our minds for action, to be in your word, to be in prayer. God, help us to keep a sober spirit. Help us to stay in control, even when it's hard to do. God, help us to avoid distractions. Help us to fix our hope. God, those squirrels are going to pop up all throughout our day and all throughout in our relationships. God, help us to look past them and help us to focus on where we're going so we don't lose sight of them. And God, help us every day to live in obedience. And this is something that we're going to struggle with this side of heaven. And Jesus, you lived a perfect life and, and, and we're going to continue to strive to do that, God, because we know that you love us. You know that's what's best for us. And God, if there's any sin in my own life or any life of those who are listening to my voice, anything that they're not being obedient with, God, I pray that today would be the day we can release that. Because if we're going to be holy and set apart and we're going to dare to be different, God, we need to let go of those sins, those things that you have specifically said in your word are not okay, and that we can be released from that and we can live the life that you have called us to be. Because God, there's people in this world who you love that we need to show that love towards them. And they're not gonna come to a relationship with you based on an argument or a Facebook post, God. They're gonna come to a relationship with you because of how we choose to love them, just as you chose to love us. God, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, check out one of our life groups that meet throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website at yankton.church. You can also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Celebrate Yankton.